We all know that cars mean traffic, errands, and budgets. But they should also represent freedom and fun. Join us as we work to find everyone a car they'll love. I'm Paul. I'm Todd. And this is the Everyday Driver Car Debate. I spent three hours yesterday trying to chip ice off How my did driveway. I know? How did I know? I just, I, I, want, I want to get the Lotus out off of my drive. Is a, it's a theme park. It's an amusement park. It's, half of it is ice. Oh my the other half is mud. By the way, my driveway is paved. But, but yeah. the erosion from the side where the paving ends has bled its way underneath the snow onto my drive from being driven on over the winter. Uh, so, so literally half my driveway. I know you. This is the driveway podcast. Welcome, good to, good to have you with us. <laughs> this is the driveway uh, yeah. resurfacing. Ha- half podcast. of it is ice and and like a roller coaster of humps, and the other half is mud. And I really want to get the lotus out. So I'm just. I was chipping away at my driveway. I was throwing salt down. I was doing desperate things trying to get because it's finally warmed <laughs> up enough. This is us battling and, our way. Car guys battling our way to spring is what's happening. Yeah, <laughs> we're fighting our way to spring. Only you twisted the key. Only what happened? Yeah, I'm gonna have to jump it. Yeah, I'm gonna have to jump it. Hey, I'm. It hasn't been driven in a while. Yeah, yeah. it it needs some love. Mm-hmm. By the way, my driveway is finally clear. Mm-hmm. It, the sun has been melting. Mm-hmm. Things are clearing up, and I did get the Cayman out. Got baby out for a little bit of a drive. Yeah, fresh air. I did not have any flat spots on my tires, by the way, because of, of you the didn't. the non flat spot goodness. And uh, yeah, got it out. Just it it felt good getting the oil temperature back up. Mm-hmm. You know, got the. Mm-hmm. The tire temperature's back up. It just felt good, and it's it's yeah, it's ready to rock. While we're here, I'm going to jump straight to a question. We have uh, we have a topic Tuesday coming. We have a car debate coming. A lot of your questions coming. But Ben Davis specifically asked, "What the heck is going on with our driveways?" <laughs> Welcome to the Everyday Driver Podcast. It's now the Everyday Driveway Podcast yeah. today. No, but Ben asked this question. He said, "Look, we've been talking about driving through inches of snow on our driveways and how bad our driveways are." And he said, "Wait a minute, hang on. Is shoveling driveways not a thing in Utah?" Yeah, right, and he right. says, "Clearing sidewalks in, is a city ordinance where he lives, and you have to keep the the sidewalks clean." And so everybody just does it like they would do their own grass in, in the summer. So what's the deal? First off, where both Paul and I live. There are no sidewalks. Yeah, different neighborhoods, no sidewalks. Yes, it's not neither one of us really have a sidewalk a in our neighborhood. Yeah, there That's are some neighborhoods here that do have sidewalks. Very few, very few. Some two or three that just I just the think way it's of. built. Yeah. And, and you're not, you're not because it's your driveway and there's no sidewalk. You're not required to do anything to your driveway. Technically, you're not required. I suppose you could live somewhere where not your HLAs really. require it. Now, but every the county comes by every with a neighborhood giant plows. Every yeah, every neighborhood is me. plowing the major roads. Yeah. But then, what do you do to your driveway? And and here's the thing. In the last, I've lived in my house at this point. I was thinking about this this winter quite a few times actually. When I was fighting off uh, off the drive, I have lived <laughs> in my house for it'll be nine years this summer. Can't believe it's that. crazy. It, it really it's is awesome. Crazy. In that time period, this is more than twice as bad snow wise as any other year. And last year, it's probably four times worse than last year. Last I mean, year had barely any snow. Worse for driveways, good for skiing and winter Completely. sports. No, I'm it's just talking about, I'm talking about the amount year. of snow to amazing. deal with. So sure, what's been happening sure. in the years past is that one of my neighbors who actually has a plow on the front of his truck, by the way, he couldn't even get that plow to move this year. There's been so much snow. He got his Seriously? plow He's stuck. got a blade? Yeah, he's, and he got his plow stuck this year. Is it still stuck? Uh, well, here's the problem. I have a neighbor. Sorry, side side rant. I have a neighbor <laughs> who has a old ratty pickup that he keeps a plow on it year round and just parks it out back. And okay. it's just his Your plow next pickup. Door neighbor. You're My next door neighbor, yes. Not down the street. No, no, no. Just gotcha, next door neighbor. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. He has an old ratty pickup from like the 80s that its, its entire purpose is to be a plow truck. He does not have winter tires on that truck. I don't understand this. The, no part of this makes sense. So he got that truck stuck a couple times this this year and gave up. But typically, he would do my driveway maybe three times a season 
when he mm. would do his own, and we'd be fine. This year, it's neat. My neighbor across. I have a new neighbor across the street. He's been out nightly with <laughs> his snowblower. Well, he's he's also got landing lights seriously. lining his lawn. I don't driveway. have a snowblower because I haven't needed one. And the winters haven't been bad enough to my driveway. So this year, when we've been hammered with snow, I have been caught completely unprepared. Honest, I have to admit, completely unprepared. And now I'm shopping snowblowers, which is not what I want to do. Snowblowers are really expensive, by the way. They're cool. and they're, but, but also, my driveway is uh, – look, my driveway is long enough that you don't want to shovel it. Yeah, no. No. You don't. I bought a snowblower. It was used from a friend. They moved to a house with a very short driveway mm-hmm. and decided they didn't need their snowblower anymore. So mm-hmm. I got a snowblower for a great price. And now really I can get on your drive. It's great, yeah. Yeah. It, it came about halfway through the winter season. So all the stuff, you know, the photos of Todd's car getting stuck in my driveway, that was prior to snowblower <laughs> ownership. But now that I do have one, I actually found a Wall Street Journal in my driveway from November 24th. It's like three months you found, old. You found it this week. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. The snow finally melted. I'm like, <laughs> right. Yeah. It's so, been a good winter. So, Ben, and all of you, sorry, this is far more than any one of you wanted to know about snow and snowblowers and driveways. But you did ask the question. Uh, we're not We're not completely idiots. We're just mostly idiots is really what the, what the <laughs> exactly. conclusion is. Well, we've got a great podcast for you. Welcome to Topic Tuesday. It is something that we have touched on but never really covered in depth. And it's, again, okay. something that yeah. does not need a conclusion necessarily. But it's, it's, <laughs> it won't um, get one. There's never. This has been psychoanalyzed in a lot of articles online, mm. interestingly. But that okay. is not the point. Okay. It's really psychoanalyzing us more okay. than anything. But it's cars and your personality mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. what cars say about you mm-hmm. and what cars say about your personality. I want to – I want to – come at this from an encouragement standpoint to everybody listening. And you will understand at the end of this. Okay, great. And then we've got an excellent debate here from Chris C. And he's in the greater Boston area. Yeah, that'll be good. And uh, this is a conundrum. He's a wealth manager out there. Speaking of which, I got into a really interesting... uh, I went skiing with my attorney on Friday. Come about, it's necessary. So crazy enough, we went skiing. Mm -hmm. And (laughs) sitting on the lift with some other friends of his that he invited and we met on the slopes. And I found myself in a conversation I never expected. It was about currency arbitrage for the private aviation industry in Venezuela and Brazil. It's essentially arbitrage is the definition of of not manipulating, but using currency to buy it at low prices for specific objects to sell at high prices. Is this the classic – is this the the cover story for We Run Drugs? Is that what that story is? I never saw this coming. This is what we're talking about on the ski lift? Okay. And Mm -hmm. then you know, people said, so, Paul, what do you do? (laughs) Zing, we're off into car land, which is great because everybody relates to cars in some fashion or another, which was really great. But I I didn't see that conversation coming. Really not an expert in currency arbitrage for. I run drugs in my car. Private jets. Yeah, since we're all talking about running drugs. Sorry, I just. <laughs> it I, was that, not that. It sounds like a drug running it, conversation it to me. Not, it does. It anyway, is yeah. not. But yes, uh, it was very interesting. So, this is a conundrum for Chris. Uh, we're we're finding him. Uh, he's not necessarily a sedan guy, but uh, yeah. we'll find him something that will impress clients here. But for sure. we've got a little bit of news to cover here from Lotus and Geely, and I thought we mm. could dive into this just briefly because mm-hmm. we have covered Lotus. When Danny Behar, he was the former CEO that brought out five brand new models at what 2011, 2010, somewhere around well, there. He was the guy Got that everybody excited. He was the guy that took Red Bull from you. Remember the old "It Gives You Wings" yeah. badly drawn animated commercials? Yes, he took them from there 
to everybody thinks of Red Bull now as F1 and those really well-produced extreme sport videos on YouTube. Now that's what you think of YouTube. Uh, of well, Red yes. Bull. And the Danny Behar was the guy that everything. launched that reality for, for Red Bull and made them an, an extreme sport brand. And because of and that... And good on him. I yeah, mean, for sure. Did great. Because of that, and I'm not exactly sure what the steps were in between. Some of you may know. He wound up as the CEO of Lotus. Mm-hmm. And his conclusion for what Lotus <laughs> needed to do... Whoops, I tripped. Like, seriously. What, what happened? His conclusion What's for in what, this what Lotus needed to do was to release a whole new product line, which is, look, that, that's a great idea, and I completely agree with it. The problem is... Where's all the cash coming from? Yeah. But he had a yeah. huge splash with five models. By the way, they were all cars. There wasn't a lease replacement. There was a new Esprit. There they were was all a, E, named after yes. there e was names, a There yes. was a new um, Evora replacement. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Then there was a front engine. Think of it like a Ferrari F12. Front engine Lotus with a 2 plus 2 seating. And there was a fifth one. I forget what that one was, was replacing. Wasn't that like, an, like a Rapide, like an Aston Martin Rapide? Uh, maybe it was, it, a, it was four-door. a four-door concept. So the, five of yeah. them. And you've never, honestly, you've never seen the Lotus booth mobbed at the LA Auto Show. Oh, Everyone yeah. was. I actually talked to the press guy at the time, and he said, um, can you ask me questions any day other than today? He was overwhelmed because he didn't know anything more than the fact we've got fiberglass models sitting here. Well, guess what? That was smoke and mirrors. Mm-hmm. Danny Behar left. There was, there was a, I think, a, a suit and a countersuit, and he left, and money was changed hands and blah. Now we have Lotus and Geely. Yes, yes. So now comes the here's our future plan from Lotus. So the new boss for Lotus is a guy named Phil Popham, and he has taken over. He comes from uh, the yacht industry, it looks like. But the big point here is that Geely has poured money into Volvo, mm-hmm. and Volvo has remained Scandinavian, and they've remained mm-hmm. feeling independent and look at what Volvo is doing with that kind of cash infusion. They've, they've got new Agreed. customers. Yeah. They've got Polestar leading as the tip of the spear for technology mm-hmm. and trying new things and manufacturing processes, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. And here now, Geely owns Lotus. And we mm-hmm. keep joking because they own now the track through their subsidiary, My Time. They own Utah Motorsports Campus, which they is do. an hour from us. It used to be Miller Motorsports Park. That is fully owned. And we keep joking that somehow a Lotus Driving Academy is going to Let's magically appear in Utah yeah. Yeah, yeah, by yeah. virtue of ownership. It, it kind of makes sense Completely. because they are actually – the point of my time was to proliferate racing in China, as mm-hmm. a matter of fact, and use this as a model. Mm-hmm. Alan Wilson was the designer of that track. He's designed a lot of famous racetracks around mm-hmm. the world, and it was to design more and then use this as kind of a – you know, hey, we're proliferating auto racing mm-hmm. and pushing that forward. So Very interesting. He was hired. And I don't know how much, how far they are along in this, but he was hired to design and build five racetracks, five racetracks. Wow. In China. Yeah, yeah. And then they were going to use Utah Motorsports Campus. That's why it's got that name as the place to, to be trained to learn how a track is run here in the U.S. Mm-hmm. and then to return to China and run these five new racetracks there. Where they are on that process, I honestly don't have a good update for you, but this is the no. reason that they own it. But it would be nice to have a Lotus Driving Academy right here locally. I mean, but it's not out of the question for that reason, it isn't. and it, it isn't. makes that track very special. Mm-hmm. You'd think, well, the Lotus Driving Academy should appear at a an East Coast track or you know, something on the West Coast, Lagoon or something like that. Well, they've got one. They now mm-hmm. own it right here an Agreed. hour from Agreed. us. So it sounds very strange, but yeah. what I love about the Volvo equation is that when, uh, when we were at uh, Monterey, 
Mm-hmm. I was talking to yeah. some Volvo people, yeah, and yeah, yeah. it was actually Polestar folks, mm-hmm. and they have said they do not feel the influence from Geely. They feel, mm-hmm. you know, they've got the influence of cash to you know work on yeah, new projects, stuff, but they yeah. turn that right around into brand new products that are excellent, well mm-hmm. built. They're mm-hmm. you know growing in sales. Volvo as a perception is growing in the luxury market. I'd say is a, yeah for sure for sure know, just the perception among you know as an alternative, mm-hmm. but a great one. And then now they've got this brand Lotus. And so the big news here is that they're going to be dumping money into Lotus. And I suspect the difference between the reason we brought up Danny Behar is because it's not going to be that kind of situation anymore. It's not going to be the smoke and mirrors. They have genuine funding Mm -hmm. and they've proved Mm -hmm. it already with another existing car company. That's what's exciting to me. And one of the things I also wonder about, and I don't know how much brand sharing they'll be here, but let's be honest. One of the things that's interesting about Lotus's history is they always get their engines from somewhere else. Then I think about the fact that mm-hmm. Volvo is doing their entire lineup off of one engine. Pretty a four much, cylinder. Pretty much, yeah. The four cylinder comes base, turbocharged, and turbocharged and supercharged, which yeah. goes from about 150 horsepower to over 300. It's like 350 if you get all of the th- all of the snails screwed to it essentially. <laughs> what could you do with that engine in the Lotus lineup? Hmm. You could mm. theoretically, you theoretically now could go from a small Elise kind of car with the non-supercharged or turbocharged 180 horsepower version to the 350 horsepower version in an Esprit and build use the one block. I don't know if they'll do that, but what's come out here is that Lotus has said a couple of interesting things. The next car is coming out will replace the current cars. Mm-hmm. So that's mm-hmm. Elise Exceed, which are sister cars. Let's be honest, and the Evora. And these will be the bridge cars between where they are now and where they think they're going in the future, which they claim is all electric. We'll see. We'll see. I think that depends a lot on the market. Sure, sure, it does. But But think about what they've got, the the arsenal that they've got behind them now with mm -hmm. platform not sharing, but just technology in general Mm -hmm. and know-how through the Polestar and Volvo group. I agree. I agree. So I'll be interested to see if they really go electric. And I think think that – I think everybody – let's be honest. I think everyone is saying that right now. Our lineup's going to go all electric. Let's give it 10 to 20 years and see how much of the market actually goes electric. And I think that will – I think all of that's – uh, up for up for grabs on every single market out there, but the other big news here that honestly I think is overdue news is that Lotus is going to do an SUV and and mm-hmm. look at all of the other sports car brands. Yes, I'm a sports car guy, but the sports car brands survive because they're now doing SUVs. I, I mean, welcome I, it. I welcome it. What is yeah. what is Lotus's Macan competitor? I was going to say, What's Caymans and Panameras are now you know huge sellers that kind of saved the 911. Well, I mean, they did save the 911 from... You mean know, Cayennes and Panameras. Yeah. Ca- sorry, yeah, yeah. what did I say? Caymans. Caymans, but, yes. But Cayennes, Cayennes and Panameras. Cayennes, Yeah. even more so than the Panamera. Cayennes and Macans are the reasons that there's 8 million variants of the GT3 RS. Yeah. Honestly. They've saved the 911 from extinction. They've, they've proliferated the brand. Mm-hmm. It's able to continue, and now they've got a really healthy market. Interestingly, when I was in design school, mm-hmm. even as cool as Porsche was and is, nobody really wanted to go work for them because they didn't have a product portfolio where designers would be excited to go. Because they'd say, well, you're going to go work for Porsche. That sounds awesome. You're just going to be sketching 911s all day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it now didn't sound range. exciting to anybody. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it, funny enough, they just didn't have the products then. Now that's all changed. They've got products 
in just about every category and mm-hmm. size category. They're proliferating like BMW is with X4s. There's going to be the Cayenne Coupe. There's yeah. all yeah, kinds yeah, of understand. stuff coming out because yeah. now they're competing with BMW and Mercedes in those classes. They're losing sales. They're losing 50 sales a year to the other. I don't know. It's low <laughs> is the point. But well, uh, yeah, this this whole – everything going on with Lotus I'm excited about because mm-hmm. we need mm-hmm. that Lotus sort of thinking agreed, to agreed. enter the market. You and mm-hmm. I are driving a lot of SUVs as fast blasts. We are. Continue. For sure. Big time. Interestingly, it's cars that have become available to us. The manufacturers are offering them up. They've got <laughs> they them said, here, here in Utah. Here in Utah in the winter. Let's give you an SUV. We said sure. We're saying yes. You know, we we try to find the goodness and that you know that aspect that mm-hmm. defines the character of that SUV. Yeah, some yeah, of yeah. them are lacking, some of them are su- surprising. Yeah, true. I, I welcome the Lotus equation. You know, let's let's have Lotus do what Alpha's doing. Let's do a small Elise kind mm. of sports car. Let's do a surprisingly agile sedan and an SUV. That's what Alpha's doing right now. Mm. Let's have Lotus do that. Sure. Because Lotus desperately needs a foothold beyond, and, and I say this as the owner and as the lover of the brand, they need a foothold beyond we make small sacrificial sports cars, cars you have to sacrifice to own. They're yeah. going to need to make yeah. some cars that have, I mean, and this is why everyone is doing an SUV. This is why the Urus exists. This yeah, is why you know the Cullinan exists. There's money on the it's, table. Uh, exactly. Yes. I want I want the history of that brand in the SUV shape. What can you do for me? And Ferrari resisting like crazy. It's coming. It's you coming. No, it's coming. Consist- it's on its way. It's on its it. way. Yeah. All right. So that gives us a little bit of a transition to personality mm, and how okay. it involves cars in your life. And again, I'm not here to psychoanalyze anybody or to go through the list of colors. And here's what your choice of color means, even though I do want to touch on that. But what I want to start with is from a design standpoint. I think that some designers have forgotten this very important aspect of cars and how we relate to them and how we want them in our lives. And I think about car ownership versus leasing, but then the subscription car services. How's that going to affect, you know, the things we choose to drive now, given unlimited budgets or budgets for the car you want to go buy high end low end medium mm-hmm. range whatever that is we don't always have that nobody has you know eighty thousand dollars to fill their house with the furniture they want you have a piece here and a piece yeah, there and sure, it's sure. kind sure, of sure. a mishmash that's why we you know we recommend used cars mm-hmm. we say mm-hmm. you know so you might not be able to find the color that you want but mm-hmm. you've got the car which we encourage but i'm i'm coming at this from not just an extension of yourself and not just you know the the things past you know my personal needs my family's needs economics yeah, yeah, yeah. safety all that kind of stuff but talking about good designers getting past their preconceived ideas about what a car should look like okay. much okay. like actors immerse themselves in th- their roles I, yeah. I was just reading about Rami Malek in Bohemian Rhapsody and sure. he was studying Freddie Mercury mm-hmm. over and over and over and it was a I just kind of got caught up in this article reading about how much study he did. Very impressive. I actually haven't seen the film at this point. It's very good. Yeah. But the, the work that he did to forget himself. And I, I liken that to design and, you know, forget your, your own preconceived ideas, much like Ken Okayama, a Japanese designer designing Mm -hmm. the Ferrari, a very, very Italian and Mm -hmm. sure. You know, patriotic car to, you know, bring this all about to make it a true Ferrari and yet the principal designer and the MC 12 Maserati, by the way, Mm. was Japanese. Yeah. Did a brilliant job, but he stepped outside of himself and stepped into his own experience. So I come to 
you know, the, the, the thought is it shocking to, when you hear about somebody driving something that isn't expected. And okay. here's an example, okay. the founder of Ikea before he passed, okay. he drove a 93 Volvo wagon. <laughs> and when he passed, his net worth was estimated to be 73 billion. And he just hung on to his Volvo. He likes flat pack furniture that fits in the back of a Volvo wagon. I mean, just, there you go. I make boxes. I drive a box. Done. <laughs> I mean, I, I, you know, you'd think once a person makes it, you know, you get your yeah. whatever. You'd think, oh, caution to the wind. You get this big thing. But that proves the point. Not necessarily. He's well, still being true to himself. Yeah. And, what, and what's I the love. hole he threw his money down? Because you know there was one. It just wasn't cars. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, we see it in L.A. Mm -hmm. Is it disingenuous to drive something that truly isn't you? And cost aside, is yeah, it, yeah, yeah. You know, you're not being honest with yourself. And so, you know, we encourage that, you know, projecting an image you're, that you're not, you know, we, we want you to find a car. And so this all ties into how we relate to all the car debates that you send in. And we're trying to pull out of that mm -hmm. based on what we read, what kind of person we think you are to some degree yeah yeah, it, yeah it's not a huge degree to your point but we're pulling that out because you know based on what i'm reading i might think oh maybe porsches are not for you and mm -hmm. so i'm over here recommending something else and so it, it's very interesting to read these debates and then try to match cars and personalities not just the needs and the budget yeah and yeah, so yeah. it goes a little bit beyond that all right so you know the short films that car companies are making nowadays. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. The mood boards, the, the owner the profiles. The new advertising. Sure. Yeah, yeah. This is inf information that's at least two years old. Okay. But Ford creating short films that will never be seen by the public. They'll only be seen internally about lifestyles of owners. <laughs> and they're they're making it up. But here's Judy. It, it, seriously. They're... they're crafting storylines for the markets that they're going after. Yeah. And they're making short films for marketing teams to watch. This is our buyer for this car. Yeah. 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 This that, is the kind of stuff that makes of, me wretch. But a lot of the work happen, they yeah. needed help yeah. with mm -hmm. to, to yeah. create, you know, we're, we're creating the scenario and, and I love that they're doing that mm -hmm. because then, you know, it's not a guaranteed sales success by any no. means, but it is one of the steps to, to developing a car that will now appeal to you and I, whoever mm -hmm. the buyers are, we, the, the royal we, the collective we. <laughs> <laughs> so I think about, uh, well, again, back to my <clears throat> attorney. <laughs> <laughs> the one with the drug runner friends. Got it, yeah. Not drug runner friends. I'm telling you. I'm this telling one, you. She's a wealth advisor for Raymond James, and she does other things. Anyway. I'm telling you. I just think. <laughs> <laughs> he told me that he owned a Ferrari 488. Okay. I went, oh my gosh, you know, and, and this was a while back when he lived in Miami. And yes, it's a Miami car, yeah. Mid-30s, making a bunch of money. He bought a Ferrari. Mm -hmm. And it made his skin crawl because of all the unwanted attention that's attached to that. And we think, Interesting. I can't Interesting. wait to aspire yeah. to own a Ferrari someday. And he got rid of it after 11 months because he couldn't stand the, just the nervousness of, hmm. what if my paint gets scratched? What if somebody dings it? What if, oh, and just keep it in the garage. Don't drive it. Just mm, don't take it out. That's too bad. That's too bad. And he couldn't yeah, enjoy that's it. That's too bad. And f I think, oh, my gosh, you, you know, you've kind of reached the pinnacle. You car enthusiast. Mm -hmm. You own a Ferrari, mm -hmm. brand new. You spec it like you want. And you live in a place where you can drive it everywhere yeah, all the time, sure, all year sure. round. Yeah, yeah. And you didn't want it. And I said, how'd you like the car? And he said, well, duh, it was awesome. Mm. 
I just didn't like the attention. I just felt interesting. Yeah, ah, it just yeah, yeah. wasn't me. You know, it just I've actually read this on, interesting. on Lotus Esprit forms and Lotus Elise forms where they talked about don't buy this car if you're not okay with getting into conversations at gas stations. Which it's I'm fine to with. You I'm, and I'm fine with it because I have a car show and I like the fact that the Lotus Elise that I'm driving. First off, I you know unfold myself like a praying mantis. You don't understand how I fit. I like that, and also the fact that the minivan you're driving next to me probably costs what the Lotus did. I like that as well. I took a different tack on this, which I know surprises nobody listening. <laughs> but I took a different tack on this because I, I don't think that your car. Uh, there's there's two sides of this coin for me. I don't think that your car actually says anything about your personality, your car choice. However, however, I think your car says a lot about your personal taste. However, I think other people looking at you think your car speaks to your personality. That's what I think happens. I think your perception of somebody when they climb out of Ferrari, Mm. you go, oh, that person is like this. They climb out of a Camaro, you think, oh, that guy is like this. They climb out of a Range Rover and you go, "Uh uh-huh, that person is whatever. But I think we as consumers and also as car enthusiasts, we buy cars that we're attracted to. You buy a car. Yeah. Follow me for a second. You buy a car in a similar way to the person you fall in love with. They aren't necessarily a match to your personality. I just want a lease. No. (laughs) I'm just just dating around. I'm just dating around. No, seriously. Because you ultimately, you're attracted to it. And it isn't. I yeah. think. I think it's not the match to your personality. Isn't always the person that you fall in love with. By the way, you you Good fall point. in love with somebody that isn't really a match for your personality. But they just that you just can't get away from them. You just are so taken by them, hmm. and they stretch yeah. you and they push you, and you're interested anyway. You know, interesting. I think. I think we pick cars for similar reasons, and it isn't necessarily because well that car is my personality. No, that car. I just. I, I'm lusting after it. I'm attracted to that car. And the more I find out about it, same way, let's look, let's be honest. I know, I know the political correct world. I hear you. I hear you. We're all supposed to love each other for who we are as people. <laughs> I get it. I get it. Sure. I know we're all saying it. Sure. We are biologically, I say this is a married man, a happily married man. We are biologically, initially interested in that person across the room because we go, wow. Sure. Wow. And then when you find out their personality, who they are as a person, you may still be attracted or you may be like, you know what? I'm going to go over here. Nice to meet you. And I'm done. Sure. But cars are that way. You initially are like, wow. And then you find out their personality. You drive them. You find out the engine and the way they And you go, I like this. Or no, I really don't. And I think that's why you pick it. I don't think you pick it because it matches your personality. I think you just are attracted to it. The problem is... You now have baggage that this guy with the 488 discovered Mm -hmm. where other people assess your personality by seeing your car. I think that's where that bias comes in. True, but I do think aspects of the car. I don't think it's zero percent. Okay. I think aspects of the car are very much here's kind of who I am. I relate Mm -hmm. to that. I like that enough. It goes beyond looks. It's, yeah, it's something I want to project, but. You know, for me and Porsche, yeah. I I discovered build quality. I discovered precision mm-hmm. and engineering mm-hmm. and design. Yeah, yeah. That is different than somebody in Hollywood, like we've joked about, mm-hmm. buying it just for the badge. And it's yeah. expensive and it's flashy and it's fast yeah, yeah. and blah. There's a lot of cars that are expensive, flashy, and fast. Mm-hmm. For sure, for sure. Why, yeah. Why'd you settle on Porsche? Mm-hmm. So I, 
the the reasons are there, but they're they're hidden. I guess. Okay. They're okay. unfortunately the reasons you're describing are at the forefront when we see oh oh yeah you drive a Range Rover huh yeah and then you meet that person and start talking with them and then you find out the reasons for the Range Rover is completely different than what you thought and it yeah. makes it all better yeah for sure everything's for fine sure. I, I'm fascinated by this but what this does is. I th- it doesn't change personality. That's the wrong the wrong description. But when you and I drive cars, for example, a Hellcat, okay, a Hellcat, yeah, anything, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, sure. We cackle and laugh, and suddenly we're hooligans, mm-hmm. and it pulls that out of us. It does, yes. That little part, or we drive a large truck, or we drive mm-hmm. a small fun thing, and I think it pulls that sensibility, that proclivity, out of you and I, and we yeah. we play to it. We we are more open to talking about that and, and letting that out. Mm-hmm. And for you and I, it definitely helps us to discover, you know what, that's me or you know what, that's not, not me at all. Yeah. For listeners who aren't able to have the access you and I do to press cars, sure, it sure. has to do with you ride with somebody else in their car. You mm-hmm. get into their car, you think, I'm not a Mercedes S-Class kind of, I mean, this is nice and all, but eesh, this is too big and expensive and yeah. flamboyant yeah, yeah. and flashy, and this isn't me at all. Same feeling. You don't even have to drive it. You just have to ride with other people. Mm. Go to lunch mm. with them. Yeah. Ride in their car. And not only how they keep it, but, you know, the car choices. Sure, and then sure. If you know them at all, you know, from a friend all the way to, you know, an office coworker, that kind of thing, it starts to, you start to understand like, okay, you know, so cars don't matter to you. Like, you know, great. Yeah. I love that you love your thing that doesn't mm-hmm. interest me. I need something with more flavor, mm-hmm. but okay. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Good. I think that's fascinating. And so the biggest thing that I want to get to you for everyone listening is to nurture that 12% or 25% or whatever is the, the lesser. And if, if you want to let that come out in a future car purchase, Hmm. maybe it even comes down to changing the color, keep your car and you get a wrap or you just, you know, that's something nice and temporary. True. Change it for a couple of years, change color. And it just, I don't know. It just adds an element of interest and fun to this this whole driving and car world. Yeah, that's kind of where I'm going. I'm just I'm I'm speaking to me more than anything because I I told you I found this GT3 that I really want in safety yellow or sunfire yellow or whatever it okay. is. It's, it's more sun kissed orange than anything, oh, but no okay. bright color. Paul shopping GT3s for fun in an afternoon. It's yeah. yellow, and I'm thinking I've never owned a yellow car. Yellow, yeah. yellow, orange, yellow. Is that me? No, I lean towards the cool colors, but part of me just wants that. <laughs> what does that say about me? How weird is that? I'm not a flashy, great. crazy guy. You're typically I, not. You're right. You're right. And I'm I'm having these weird feelings about that's just, funny. This car went past as I was <clears throat> searching. That's um, funny on Auto Tempest. Our friends at Auto Tempest. And yeah, for sure. Went past, and I just thought, yeah. Well, it's one of those things. You know, you and I try to do this with every car, and getting these fast blasts has been interesting. I feel like we try to get in the car and go, who is this for? And then exactly. find the part of ourselves that plugs into who we think the car is for, mm-hmm. where it has mm-hmm. its strengths and its weaknesses. We did this with this Lexus. We just had this this RX350, which does have both strengths and weaknesses. And sure. I know you're saying weakness is the styling and the huge Predator more. <laughs> and you know what? I agree with you. But the point is, we try to find what is the th- what is who is this for? Because... As much as, as we're obsessed with driving quality, the fun of driving, there's plenty of really good vehicles out there where that's like 10th on the list. 
but they did a lot of other things sure, really well. Sure. And, and we talked about for, for for all of you people out there that that need, and I do mean need, a seven seater in your life because of <laughs> because of kids and stuff. Welcome to a fifteen passenger van. Well, but you but you've painted yourself into a little bit of a corner of I can't have driving fun. But okay, what if you are buy milk and five gallon jugs at a time? What are the <laughs> things for you. about this car that can speak to me? Mm-hmm. And this is the reason, honestly. There's a discussion about look minivans. You and I've used minivans a million times on shoots. Sure, and sure. it's unbelievable how accessible they are when you're throwing gear around. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. yet they're yeah. not fun to drive. But okay. For for that one week we need to throw gear around, we turn the minivan and we're kind of bummed. It's like, that was a great way to carry gear. Now i got to fit gear sideways in the back of my FRS. I mean, I, these things strike me, okay? <laughs> True. So, True. you know, there, there, there's always those benefits. I, I do think you – look, I'm going to come back to the start of the show. We want you to love your car. And, Absolutely. And there are, yeah. there, are, there are even seasons with the person that you marry where you loved this thing initially and now you love that thing more. Okay. All right. I think that can be true of car ownership, where I had my season where I was all about muscle cars, and I had three muscle cars in my garage, and one of them always kind of ran. And now, what you know what I need? I need a seven-seater that runs. That doesn't make you less of a car person. Right. You are putting right. out a different perception, and people may treat you differently. <laughs> But okay, it doesn't change who you are fundamentally. That's the other encouragement I have. Well, I think that's the the reason we go f- in search of the thing that is notable about the car. If it's the driving feel and experience, great. And we pull that out. We extract that feeling. But if it's something else that's surprising, well, let's harp on that. Let's let's you know dig down deep into that. For sure, and, for sure. Yeah. You know, have that inform our commentary, which is you know interesting. So it it comes down to driving a variety of cars, of course. But uh, yeah, it's just it's interesting to relate that and then relating it straight to the podcast debates and pulling that out of people's emails and thinking, you know what? I think this is you. But if it's not and you totally disagree, but it gets you thinking differently, I love that. You know what's fun every time we do our live debates or when we sit at a meetup is the entrance to conversation is always cars. Of course, because listening to the show, sure, that's why you sure. connect with us, we get it. But then that car thing, and we do it with the car debates when people aren't on live, it then splinters into everything else in life. It mm-hmm. does inform mm-hmm. who are you as a person? What's the stuff you're drawn to? Oh, you know what? You never do a corner. So all these cars are out the window. And and But you wish you could. Wait a minute. I want to live in the mountains. Whatever it is. Mm-hmm. It's amazing that the rabbit trails that cars start at, and then we can follow it in all these great places. And as we talk about the variety of cars, I'm going to segue into coming soon to Amazon and Vimeo is the most varied season of cars we've ever done for TV. <laughs> yeah. Season four is nuts. Yeah. It just finished. It just finished. Thank you to those of you that responded to the crazy second experience of lemons episode lemons racing but all yeah, of this sure. is is kind of currently starting its processing steps with amazon so it makes means it's a few weeks out based on amazon speed we'll see they're a big monolith but it will be soon available on amazon and vimeo and we're excited for you guys to see all of that we have to thank our our main sponsor covercraft for all of yeah, their support absolutely. we're actually going to have some covercraft discussion hopefully we're going to have our main contact there on the podcast soon just to talk about this season, I, hopefully we can kind of align that with it going live on Amazon. And we can yeah. kind of, kind yeah, of debrief the season with our friends at Covercraft. Again, they're great sunshades and covers and all of that kind of stuff. 10% off with the code every day. The same code works over at our friends at Griot's, which is the reason that the Lotus right now looks awesome and can't get down the drive. So that's not Griot's fault. The no, car that's looks not Griot's great. fault. It just 
there's they don't they don't sell de-icing. If Grio sold de-icing, we'd have a whole other thing That's going true. on. That's true. They anyway, do sell yeah. the battery tenders and also yeah. the, the jump yeah. boxes you know, Again, you take around. This comes back to the fact that I've never had this much snow in my driveway. I've never had a reason to have a battery tender because I can take the car out every <laughs> like three, four weeks. That's true. It's sat there for months this it's, season because it's just snowing it's again. It's the snow's fault. All yeah. right. Well, we could obviously ramble on. We'll take a quick break, and we're coming back. We're often asked how we find the cars that we recommend to all of you listening. Whether it's local or nationwide, our searches start with Auto Tempest. Instead of searching each car shopping site separately, you can enter all your parameters for the car you're looking for into Auto Tempest one time, and then you can search for them all at once. See results from Cars.com, CarsDirect, eBay, and more, or you can jump to AutoTrader or CarGurus without entering anything new. Same parameters, new site. You can even search all of Craigslist. Think about how hard it is to search Craigslist nationwide, one at a time. AutoTempest.com has got you covered there all at once. AutoTempest can help you find your next new or used car, whether there's a dozen in your neighborhood or two in the country. Plus, the people at AutoTempest listen to this podcast, and they're always refining the site for more features. They've got research tools, buyer and seller guides, and they're listening to what their users need. So if you're doing your own drive homework, you're chasing your dream car, or just looking to feed the disease, as we are all the time, AutoTempest.com is your place to start. Plus, I was on it an hour ago. Our sponsor, Wrangler, has given us slightly different copy for our ads, so we realize there's only one way to handle this. We have to bring back the voice. Everybody has a favorite pair of jeans, the pair that fits perfectly and always looks great, the pair you wear out at night, at home, on the couch, at work, wherever. They're the go-to, and you can't underestimate their importance. No one knows this better than Wrangler, the authority on jeans. Using their expertise in comfort and durability, Wrangler jeans are made for the adventurers, the go-getters, the folks who like to keep moving, whether you ride a bike, a bronc, a skateboard, or even drive a car. You could be a person that just wanders the earth looking for we're not sure what. These are still the jeans for you. Classic or modern styles, a range of fits, even vintage re-releases, with a price that works for you. Wrangler has something for everybody. Visit Wrangler.com and check out their great selection of jeans, shirts, pants, outerwear for men and for women. New styles, great fits. Wrangler. Real, comfortable jeans. That was proper. Yeah. We've all got a to-do list. Drop off the dry cleaning, pick up some milk. I've got an idea. Let's add save hundreds of dollars on your car insurance to that list. And the good thing is, you don't have to drop off or pick up anything. All you have to do is go to Geico.com, and in 15 minutes, yes, you could be saving 15% or more on car insurance. Having extra money in your pocket might be the most rewarding thing you do today. Chris in greater Boston area is a wealth manager, and this is a debate about new or used, mm-hmm. but it's a conundrum for him driving a lot. He drives yeah, 35,000 yeah. plus miles a year, and he's at the point, because he is a wealth manager, that he needs something that is not to wow clients, but to... to um, I guess to give an impression. Yeah, particular impression, smooth things over. He's um, been driving a Subaru Outback 3.6R for about five years, and it's been a workhorse, he said. Absolutely great in snow, virtually repair-free. You've gotten used to that. Yeah. (laughs) Your next car might not be. Yeah, we might have to broaden that a bit, unfortunately. I mean, repair-free is good, Mm -hmm. but maintenance can also prevent repairs. Good, healthy maintenance plans can prevent the... 
Horrifying repairs. All right. So he <laughs> Surprise. Says, yeah. <laughs> he doesn't need to do anything right now. And, you know, he's making this argument right now for buying another Subaru. He's saying, for all these reasons, cost effective, it runs, yeah. I can yeah, get sure. another 150 of out yeah. of it. But he, he's at the point where he wants something with a bit more excitement. Mm-hmm. Fair enough. All right. So, and then the presentable car thing being kind of important. And he says, I'm not a sedan guy. He's looking at midside SUVs, crossovers. Hence the Outback. He's kind of used to that. Yeah. So he's looking at the category of Audi SQ5s, F-Paces, X4s, AMG GLCs. Mm-hmm. So they're not, you know, large family haulers necessarily, but they yeah. have a good splash of, you know, quality, luxury, feel, some fun, good amount of power. Yeah. There are going to be difference in, in terms of maintenance. But he's also said that this Outback has been the best snow-related car he's ever had. So he wants to have something else that does well in the snow. Tires, but does well mm-hmm. in the snow. Yes. So he's he. that's the other thing that takes him kind of toward these. It's nicer, but the Outback, let's be honest, the Outback has always been on the verge of being a CUV. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And now, it, honestly, it kind of as a CUV in a wagon suit, to be honest with you. I mean, it's it, it, it's closer to the GMC Acadia. Here's the thing. It's closer to the Acadia than it is the speed? WRX. Let me put it that way. Okay, yeah. Okay, just to put it in terms of, of sedans versus uh, versus SUVs. Anyway, so so that's why he's leaning kind of these hot-ish five-seat SUVs, and I do want to talk about those. But uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to push you a little bit on sedans and also on sports cars. Because I just want to get you mm. in a new experience that gives a good impression for you and the kind of job you get, but gets you a totally different driving experience. I'm even going to stay in cars that I personally, granted, I'm not normal, but I personally would drive year-round. Okay. And you're in okay. Boston, so it's not like Buffalo, New York, where you're, you're buried in snow. You're getting snow, but you're not, I don't get the impression that you're digging yourself out every Unless day. Unless you get years like we've gotten. And yes, true. There's always the oddball cow, year. You know. But, you know, so then we'd have to do what we didn't do, and that is get a snowblower or hire somebody to do your drive. Anyway, just uh, look. I'm telling you, hindsight 2020. Don't do Uncle Todd. Don't do what Uncle Todd did. All right, just listen and learn. Are the best ever. Listen the and best. learn. These they are the just, these are the the truths of life here. I just want to like go straight through my yard just to see how far I can throw this stuff. It's just so cool. By the way, you can buy used stuff for snowblowers. I, We're gonna have a whole other thing. Anyway, yeah. This is you know therapy. I just <laughs> just like to do this. All right, Chris. I really want you to have a Q8. Q8s are out. Mm. They're too expensive because okay, yeah. he's got 55 yeah, yeah. grand to spend, which is great, healthy, great, excellent yeah. budget. You can get a lot for that. Q8s start at $67,400. And they go up from yeah, there. Yeah, that's out. 75. It's also big. That's, that's genuinely big. They're big. They're pretty cool. They are cool. I, I like the got perception. One, yeah. My attorney's friend, who's also an attorney, but. <laughs> Well, it's, it's when the Q it's it's it's, it's the it's the X6 thinking. It's when the yeah, SUV yeah. version was too usable. Let's do more of a coupe slant back in the same. But it's got chassis. more usability than that X6 for sure. Well, but that's and a I'm low bar. That's a very low well, bar. Yeah, but yeah. I'm hoping the Cayenne coupe <clears throat> sounds really weird to say. It's very very. I'm weird. hoping that yeah. has more headroom in the back too. I'm also looking at, um, you know, this the Panamera Sport Turismo would be. Perfect. Mm-hmm. Be perfect. Also too expensive. So I come to these choices for you. And even though you could argue they're sedan-like, I, I would argue they're kind of in between, something you're used to. But my headspace for you, again, coming back to our topic Tuesday, was trying to pull out the proclivities and kind of who I think you are. Mm, okay. And it's got to be impressive, luxurious, 
different and you don't see one all the time. It's not like just that. a typical, like yeah, yeah. okay, so you got the Beamer and you got the Mercedes and okay, great, nice choice, mm-hmm. fine, nice, but it's not going to turn any clients that you have, it's not going to turn your head and they get it and you think, what is this? Mm. What, what, what sort of discerning fellow are you? Interesting, okay. Right. And so I come first to a Cayenne GTS. Yeah, yeah. Got 55K? Yeah, yeah. A GTS of any ilk, but yeah. a Cayenne GTS could be great. You can probably get, we, we're just starting the third gen, so you know you can probably get a nice second gen GTS for that money. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Like it. That led me to Wagon Country. Wagon Country, <laughs> where they have Wranglers. Wranglers <laughs> in Wagon Country. There's that voice. All right. Yeah. So I found you, actually, a 2016 Mercedes E63 AMG wagon Ooh. for 53K. That's all-wheel drive, too, right? Yeah, baby. That, that 33,000 you know miles. You know what? Thanks for playing. I think we're done. <laughs> really? Chris, Chris, thanks for writing in, Chris. No, AMG that, that's wagon. That's pretty awesome. That is hoonage. That's subtle. Mm-hmm. It can take people. It can take gear. Mm-hmm. But you let it rip. Oh. Yeah, baby. I used to drive an Outback. Now I drive an E-Class AMG wagon. Yes. And I'm very, very happy about that change. Yes. <laughs> that is fantastic. But winter tires on that. I actually have friends in town who have it. They don't even have an AMG, but they have an old all-wheel drive E-Class. Okay. And they have the uh, the Nokian Hakapalitas on it. Nice. Good. His wife commutes. <laughs> this is this is Chris who has the 911. Oh, yes, right. His right, wife right. Allison That's right. commutes down to Salt Lake. She has done it all this winter. All that she told me recently, she's and she's she's never cared about tires. She actually admitted this to me. She said I never cared about tires. We put these Hakapalitas on. She didn't know the name, but of course I knew this cuz talking to Chris. Yeah. But she said we put these tires on this car and she said every day that she has talked to people who are freaking out about the weather. She said, I don't think twice. It doesn't matter how mad it's been blizzarding. doesn't matter how it's going. She's in the E-Class, all-wheel drive, hack of Politas. She saws through everything, passes everyone, and has not slipped once. Fantastic. <laughs> She's just, I'm going to get the kids. I'm oh. going to work. We're done. Oh, fantastic. All right, quickly, last choice is the Volvo V90 Cross Country. I wondered if you'd go there. That's, a, that's a great looking wagon. Lots of space for people in the back. Lots of space forever. It yeah, just, tons it's of cool. space. It's mm-hmm. you're not going to see very very many of those. Mm-hmm. They start at fifty two, so okay. by fifty five, right. fifty eight, you're good. Got a sweet one, brand new warranty. It's not the Mercedes's, BMWs's, Porsches, all those mm-hmm. kinds mm-hmm. of things. It's something tasteful, interesting, different. Lots of space, lots of good power. Yeah, cool yeah. looking, sweet looking. Okay. V90, right. the cross-country like V90. You could go V60. You could. But V90, that is the business. That's a staggering amount of space, too. This is really cool. Chris, I've got I've got three quick categories for you. I've got the SUV category, the sedan with a question mark category, because they're not <laughs> traditional sedans, and the sports car category. I've got drive homework for you. Okay, I'm going to run through this quickly. Okay. I love your Cayenne GTS, because I have the Cayenne on here also. Dude, May okay. as well just go GTS. Yeah. Uh, I'm thinking about stuff that, that it gives that high end, I think about my car and I could take clients out and I am a wealth manager that understands good branding. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking about that on all of these. But in the Mercedes world, I love your E-Class, by the way. That that may be the answer for Ugh. Chris. But I am going to bring it up. GLA AMG 45. Okay, good, good. You get all of the it, – it, it, this, this is the suit with the track suit underneath. 
Okay. It's, yeah. it's the, the suit that, that right after work, you're going to go run a marathon. This is what this is. Okay. <laughs> it's just to everybody else. It's just a little Mercedes. It's just, you got a Mercedes, but you didn't, you know, blow it out. It's not an S class, mm-hmm. but it hoons. Oh, does it ever? And then what weather, weather, who cares? Let's just do it. Yeah. So AM, uh, GLA AMG 45. I just, I like that car. So don't look at that one. Sedans real quick. All of these sedans are not traditional sedans. They have much more of a hatchback. Hmm. Okay. Hmm. Go drive the Kia Stinger GT. Good. Good. All wheel drive. Fantastic to drive. You want a car that's just going to run. I believe that car is just going to run. With the money you'll save, you can take a very nice European vacation. But, but we have we have a friend here who has one. Robin's got one that he he, he asked yeah. us. What should I drive? And we said, you should drive a Kia Stinger. And he was like, Kia? Yeah, really? Did. Kia? Yeah. And, we, and he'd only driven like big SUVs. He, he lives here in Park City. We said, go drive the Kia Stinger. He bought the Kia Stinger. It's, See it around. It's really cool. Yeah, it's cool. Blacked so, out so windows. Drive that. Gray. I think you'll be surprised by it. And it is one of those cars that people are going to be surprised that that car is that badge. So that's an interesting thing. Mm. Used Audi A7. It's good. not a traditional good. sedan. Sure. I can see that. You can get a really good one for your money, get a nice used one, great all-wheel drive, good in the winter. I'm also going to go here. You say you drive 35,000 miles a year, but you don't say how many you do in a day. Okay, okay. What about a used Model S all-wheel drive or a used Model 3? Maybe even a new Model 3 Interesting. all-wheel drive. Interesting. Depending upon how you're putting those miles on, are you charging at night? Hmm. That gives hmm. a perfectly good perception. It's got it's perfectly winter capable. It has a very different feel. I think you would enjoy that car. It I think it will be reliable for you. So test the Model Three or Model S all wheel drive. I think is a consideration. That's the end of my kind of sedans with a question mark because they're not traditional sedans. And then Chris, are you taking clients anywhere? Because <laughs> you don't say really. You say you needed a perception and you want to put miles on a car, but what you mainly want is more fun, snow capable, and a nice perception. You don't say you're driving a bunch of people around. So I just went, wait a minute. Do we need an SUV? How much ground clearance do you need? So hmm. I, I have hmm. to put these out here. I don't know that they're right, but there's a guy. I've seen people here in Park City that drive both of the cars I'm about to recommend to you. And again, we've had a killer snow year. Yeah, for sure. 911 4S. <laughs> Why not? I, it will run. I, agree. I know you're not going to complain, Paul. But 911 4S, right. put Why winter not? tires on it. Why not? And then the all wheel drive version of the Jaguar F Type. Why not? Now that's discerning. There's a guy here now locally who drives good. a red one year round. I've seen him drive it on Ooh. nasty snow days. It's a, it's a, it's a coupe, all wheel drive, and he just drives it. Oh. So if you're I not taking him, yeah, I, I have seen that uh, car. Yes. You're right. And because he's driving that bullet on a massive blizzard day, it turns your head every time, doesn't it? Yeah. I see him down the freeway a mile away. I'm like, oh, there it is. <laughs> totally. There it is. It's right, it's right over there. I got I to gotta get closer. Exactly. I just want to see it. So, exactly. But, but honestly, if you're not taking clients around, just imp- let's, let's go for at least – let's take a season, Chris, and get a sports car and just drive it. 911 4S. Jag F-Type all-wheel drive. Mm. I, I personally would drive either one of those in the winter and not think twice. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, if if it's just short runs, dinner, something like that, or if you, you know, need across town, maybe you're – who knows? Who it's, knows? It's lots of miles needs. a year, but okay. Here's the other thing I'll say to you, Chris. You don't have to keep this next car forever. Say, I'm going to get that for a year. Can I do a Jaguar F-Type? 
I'll buy it and keep it for a year. See how it goes. Cool. Can I do 12 months in this car and it actually work for my life? If it doesn't, you can move on, but you got to make that effort, I think. Hmm, interesting. All right. Thank you for writing in. If you got your own debate, everydaydrivertv at gmail.com or find us on the website, everydaydriver.com. You can contact us there under the About tab, top right corner. Hit the contact button there. Please write to us your debate. If you're a month, two months, three months out, love to hear from you. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, we'll uh, hopefully get to your debate. Jump into social media questions though right now from Driver Mod Instagram. Convince me, if you can, the Uh-oh. Ford Edge ST is a good thing for the enthusiast market while the actual enthusiast cars... Focus Fiesta ST are taken away. Something tells him that it's not going to be Ford's Macan. <laughs> Probably. We have yet to drive the Edge ST. It's very much Don't on our minds, as yep. a matter of fact. And this entire driving transition from cars to SUVs, it's something that is continuing to be talked about mm-hmm. by us and explored by us. I uh, I don't know that that's Ford's intention, and I it's along the lines of the Lexus we're driving with F-Sport yeah, package. Yeah, yeah. There's going to be some impressive things about it. But consider where the platform comes from. Mm-hmm. I mean, you we, we can have the argument and, and Ford has the racing heritage and history to be able to create something. But it's not like they started with... You know something compelling. They're they're adding to yeah kind of a bland a small of SUV. Thing, yeah. Can this be done? Yes. Mitsubishi's yeah. Evo is a fantastic example of turning a Lancer into something amazing. The Fiesta ST. You started with a Fiesta. Well, yeah. and we all went Here what? We go. Here we yeah. go. Yeah, yeah. I think you're right. It's not going to be a Macan GTS or Turbo or something like that. But I'm intrigued because if Ford's throwing down Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and saying, this is the direction we're going and we've got performance heritage and we're going to bring it, it better be good. And I'm intrigued. Yeah, let's hope so. So, yeah. Okay. Uh, I want to talk TV for a minute real quick. Two questions. One from Nicholas on Facebook, one from Rich on uh, on Instagram. Nicholas, I want to talk to your question first. You say... You've listened to the podcast for a while. You enjoy it. You've been watching the TV series. You can't get into it because you feel like the music is too loud. Is anybody else having this problem? I want to unpack this real quickly. Um, I hear you. Uh, Maybe I'm hearing you better than you've heard me. But no, no, seriously, you think the music is too loud. First off, keep in mind that we may be the only TV show on on television you're ever watching where half the show has no music at all. That is kind of a TV no-no. I'm doing that specifically because I want you to actually hear the car, hear what it sounds like for us to be in the cabin and also hear it go by. So keep in mind that half the show doesn't have music, but why would the music feel too loud to you? A couple things. First off, you did say at one point that you don't feel like you're having this with other things. Uh, A couple things going on. One, when we first started releasing the TV show, um, I was listening to all these. I still am kind of listening to all these mixes three ways. I'm going to go nuts here. Hang on. I listen to them in headphones. I listen to them on my on my mo- studio monitors in my edit bay, and I also listen to them on my television. And on my TV, I agree with you. On my TV, I was like, so why is the music so loud? Because it worked fine in headphones, hmm. and it worked fine on the studio monitor. Hmm. And the guy that is mixing for me has mixed TV and film for 20, 30 years, and he knows all the specs. I've even told him, and he knows this from me, keep the music slightly below the standard level. I want to keep it back a little bit. So what's the problem? I think it's two things. One, we mix to what's called an LTRT. That is a left-right channel mix versus a full 5-1. A lot of reasons for that. That means your system decodes it. It splits Mm -hmm. it up. Mm Mm-hmm. Depending upon your system, depending upon how it decodes it, this isn't always good. I actually just changed my home theater audio system in the last six months, and our show and everything else sounds better. 
sounds cleaner. Mm-hmm. I can hear sure. dialogue far sure. better than I used to be able to on anything, on any movie, on anything. So the the thing is, we mix to a spec that is a reliable spec, and then it's kind of a free-for-all after that. How are you hearing it? Does it sound good? I have had a few people, Nicholas, actually say the music's too loud, but it's been a tiny fraction. Everybody else seems to be okay. Uh, that doesn't mean I'm not hearing you and don't want to be cautious. I appreciate you bringing it up. I think it has to do with your personal system and the decoding of the LTRT that is creating this problem. I'm sorry it exists. Uh, noted. Uh, Rich said that he watches the TV show, but he thinks he may prefer the podcast. Mm, yeah, this Why is, is this? He yeah. said he feels the same way about Matt Farah's work. Rich, honestly, it's because this podcast, by its nature, I mean, listen to us here. Thanks for listening, by the way. It is, by its nature, very intimate. It's very much sitting around a table having a conversation. It's literally what Paul and I are doing right now. Sure, and sure, you're sitting yeah. here with us. The TV show also, by its nature, because of production, because of the way it's created, it, it naturally has a little bit more of an arm's length feel because it's produced. Sure, sure. By virtue of the kind of content yes, it is. Yes, yes. Yeah. I, yeah. I I don't think – I mean, I appreciate the fact that you prefer this kind of content. I personally – maybe this is weird. When when produced content gets this informal, I want it to step up. Mm. I kind of feel like it mm. would get – it starts to feel like a reality show where we're now manufacturing yeah. drama and we're trying yeah. – it's such, it's such a thin line between the informal thing we do on the podcast becoming this this feels fake I hate to say it, the garage sitcom. You know, I mean, let's be <laughs> yeah, honest. That's okay. what a lot of these build shows are. They're yeah. a garage-based sitcom. It's a short distance, all right? So we're producing so that it has kind of broad appeal, whereas this podcast allows that if one person listens, we're talking to you. So that changes the nature. I love Rich. Thank you for consuming the content, both as the TV show and the podcast. I like that you like both, and I'm fine with you liking the podcast more. Got a design question over here from Dietz Jordan on Instagram. What's the opinion of Cadillac's new design language, particularly on the new CT5? I think American cars have always had big sweeping lines and never finished things off. Mm. They've never finished lines. They've wrapped around the car, but they've never done interesting things where they, you know, kind of... I guess they're just long lines. They've they've never really finished off in a way where it returns or it wraps or does mm-hmm. something to end in a detail. And I think Cadillac's discovered this. And I say this is a good thing. Okay. It's important to have good, clean surfaces. But as we've seen on Lexus, you can have a lot of washouts, which is design speak for an edge or a, a particular surface treatment that fades into nothing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's very successful. There's a lot going on. There's a lot of surface transition. But Look what BMW has done over the years. They've gone from just super clean, minimalistic lines in the 80s mm-hmm. to the stuff now where it's, they went through their fussy phase and they've backed away from that. <laughs> BMW, the fussy years. It, it, it's been so particular and fussy, just little <laughs> stupid trim pieces, especially on the Z4. Anyway. Uh, tell us how you feel, Paul. Grr. <laughs> so think of Cadillac as long clean lines and the cleanliness of their arc and line design ethos is still there. Yeah. But now they're ending in some specific interesting details. So a line okay. will stop and end in a, you know, a, a tail light design that's kind of interesting and funky and different. And they're exploring that. And so it's breaking up the surface more than we're used to from Cadillac. Mm. And it's maybe a little bit jarring at first, but follow it. They're, they're still clean, 
but they're finding more visual interest. Hopefully, they don't push it too far. They're creating their own weird kind of Hoffmeister kink that looks more like the Infinity one. Have you noticed this? Uh, yeah, that's it's a got, great point. It's got a it's got a look about it that is oh, yeah. like halfway between Infinity and the Hoffmeister kink. Yeah, that's interesting. And I'm not yeah, sure. Right. I'm not sure that's necessary. Well, you can see whereas before lines just ended. They were big straight. You yeah. know, here it's like I just stopped drawing at the end of my ruler. Bam. Yes, yes, yes. And there was never a, a finish, a, an interest. There's no flourish. We, we don't no. want it to go so far as the little fussy eyelid things that Maxima and Nissan is doing for a while. It just, yeah. That's just, okay. stop it. Okay. But, <laughs> Put the pen down. But, stop it. Back but, away. But You're done. But finding a, a, a signature, a, a kick up at the end of your signature when you write your, write your name mm-hmm. on a check or you sign a document you have a particular way of doing it unless you went to the doctor school of handwriting like, like you did. Which I did, yeah. Anyway. The only way I'm a doctor is by handwriting. Yes. Otherwise, yeah, back away. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's interesting. They're, okay. They're exploring some things. It needs to be not pushed too far and mm-hmm. maybe in some cases restrained, but I think it's interesting. They're finding a new language. Okay. Uh, Ryan, how are you, man? Ryan C440 on Instagram says, is the Lexus interior as good as it looks? Honestly, Ryan, I think the Lexus interiors are fantastic right now. They are all, uh, they're descendants of the LFA. Mm. The LFA mm-hmm. set a tone and they have taken that idea through all their interiors. I think, now look, I think the seats vary wildly, but I think the look of their instrument panel and their dash, they're doing a, a stair-stepped kind of staggered look that is very much a, a perpendicular line feel that nobody else is doing that I actually think is very much them. And when you interact with it, it's very nice. Mm. I think in general, Lexus right now is a great place to sit in. It isn't always good to drive. Following that thread from Ryan Enns, thanks for writing in. Does an in, inadequate seat design, lumbar side bolster, shallow seat length, mm-hmm. ruin an otherwise fantastic vehicle experience? Absolutely yes. it does. hundred yes, percent yes. it does. And, and and the other thing that happens that you and I are noticing more and more, and I, I think this gets ignored, is that you know what? Back seats are generally awful. <laughs> I mean, across the board. Sure. There are very few car makers unless you get very high end. Like, okay, the Panamera has really good yeah. second row seats. Volvo S ninety. Volvo S90 does well. Dude. But a lot of people at all kind of price points, even when they get their front seats sorted, be glad your kids are in the back. <laughs> because you sit in the back, you're like, yeah. this is just a park bench. And, and, and I'm, not, I'm not singling out anybody because it is rampant in the industry, unfortunately. Yeah, interesting. Damn it, Patton, I yeah, hear you, man. Ahead. You're asking about, uh, do we have dates for this year's Utah meetup? <laughs> Uh, you know what? Planning some, you know uh, yes. some time off. Already. Yes, yes. That, I love that you want to do that. We have updated our Adventures tab, but I'm telling you this only because it is still mostly pending. But if you go to our Adventures tab on our website, you will see the three things we're talking about for this year. Two of the three, the Utah Meetup and the Pilgrimage, have dates listed. The Utah Meetup is listed for August 2nd through the 4th. We're hoping for a similar structure to last year, which means possibly some mountain biking, but also some dinner, some hangouts, some road tour, and hopefully a day on the track. We're hoping for that in August. Uh, all of these you will see do not have any further info or, or prices listed, but uh, Pilgrimage is up there as well. That is also September 29th through October 3rd, and you heard it here first. That sign-up is opening in within a couple weeks, so that is coming up very soon. Honestly, the true, the true answer here, damn it, Patton, is that the Pilgrimage is going to open first. 
because we have to get that up on its feet because that yeah, has to get sure. that trip needs to get filled so because that takes a lot more lead time. Then we will fill in details on Utah and we're hoping for East Coast as well. That's off the adventures tab so you can look there. Jeffrey Morrow, thank you for writing in. Thank you for listening and writing to us on Facebook here. He's asking us, what is our theory on the mid-engine Corvette delay, reveal, mm. production, release, all the miasma that's going on there? Or we could just talk endlessly about Tesla mediocrity, like it's certified fresh, while we still haven't talked about how they backed away from, we're going to close all our stores and dealers, and then Oops. they just, yeah. oh yeah, we're locked into some contracts, aren't we? I, we probably shouldn't Slightly more problematic, right yeah. There were a few issues. Back to the mid-engine Corvette, I think it's... I, I wouldn't say it's to be expected, but this is an entirely new, unproven platform for General Motors. Yes, yes. Name me a mid-engine car that they make. Yeah, you're right. The last one was the Fiero. It's been a while, <laughs> and that wasn't... They, they pulled in that team. It did fine, yeah. <laughs> hey, you you worked on the Fiero program back in the day. They've added so much more power. They're not mid-engine car experts. They're... Mm-hmm. Car building experts, for true, sure. True, true, but yeah. for, for what they want to do, they've been talking about it for years, yeah. and they're pull, probably pulling in so many people and so many opinions and so much history and having to consider so much. There's so much riding on this thing, yeah, and yeah. they want to get it right. I hope it doesn't turn into the long delay like the NSX did, where yeah. it finally released and everybody yawned. Mm-hmm. True. And true, true. they're not selling, and I hear it's a brilliant car. Yeah, well, and they keep refining it and making it better. I'm yeah. sure they're fantastic, yeah, yeah. and everybody well, still but, doesn't care. But this is one of those cars, also, besides all the newness that, that they're struggling with, and you're right, because of all the hype, it has to work. It has to work really, really well. If in that's, the first one thing it's if gotta the, do. If the first six months of this car finds its own personal IMS bearing issue, Ooh. it's gonna kill it almost overnight. Because they have a chance, honestly, GM has a chance right now to take the Corvette from the we were talking about personalities and cars earlier. It ta- has a chance to take the Corvette from the these are the kind of people that buy Corvette, however you fill in that sentence. It has a chance to actually get genuinely cross-shopped by people that have never considered a Corvette before. Yeah. Because it's a mid-engine car now, because it's the new hot thing, the people that buy the new hot thing car and have it for six months just to say they've got it, that have never looked at a Corvette before because it's a Corvette, might buy this car as well. But the biggest thing that can kill that hype is something weird and fiddly doesn't work. So in, Absolutely. That is... That is scooped on top of everything else they're dealing with in newness in this is this needs to be dialed in. But you're right. They have the Supra NSX problem yeah. where yeah. it better come out before we all get tired of talking about it. I mean, they've got to get it out. Yes. But yes. they've got all this history. Consider Zora Duntov having talked about it. And this was the the thing way back in the sixties he wanted to do. Yeah. 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 But then looking forward, it's, it's got to go racing too. Yeah, They're, they've got to replace the entire C seven totally. lineup for totally. racing. So it's got to be an endurance champ. Yeah, the, the car has everything. to yeah. do so much. There's so much riding on this. They're going through the, the teething problems. Mm-hmm. I hope they get yeah. it sorted really quick. I, I hope it's soon. We're 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 ready. I yeah. think everybody's <laughs> reaching that point. Meanwhile, American Original. 
covers all of the Corvettes up yes. into. If you, if you want to, you want a primer. You. If you want a primer for what that mid-engine Corvette means <laughs> and what Paul is talking about with Zora Arcus Duntoff, all of that kind of stuff is covered in American Original. We'd love for you to watch that film. That is available on Blu-ray. Or I wasn't even planning on this little riff, but that is available on Blu-ray and on Prime streaming on Amazon. And we've got a lot of great feedback. Plus, it is also on Vimeo. You can learn all about this Corvette and why they are struggling against that history because it is lengthy. It's the longest running continuous production car in the world right now. Yeah. I mean, if you think about the Ford yeah. GT, huge gap. Yeah. Pick your car. Yeah. They, they, there's so much they're struggling against here. It's very interesting. Bioshock asked on Twitter, he's asking me about tires. Uh, he's back with another tire question. I'm always happy to talk tires. I'm the tire, the tire uh, <laughs> prophet. Anyway, moving on. Um, Get your tires. Seriously. Uh, so I'm the preacher of tires. So we're talking about that. He says, I talked about the Indy uh, 500s for my Elise. I also talked about the fact that the PS4s say on them, don't drive below 40 degrees. I have not heard, to answer your question, I have not heard any restrictions that these tires will crack below 40 degrees. Now, obviously, your summer performance tires are not really happy below that. I had PS2s, uh, the the um, Pilot Super Sports, on the FRS, and I drove them below 40 plenty of times. They didn't crack, but they weren't happy. They were hockey pucks below 40 degrees. I think you'd be fine on the Indy 500s, uh, but you know, look into the disclaimers. I'm sure they exist. Who knows what they say? We've got to wrap up, but I've got to get to some of these questions. Peter G., thank you for writing. He's asking our thoughts on the Nissan announcement of a new GTR NZ in the pipeline. Sure, we'll see. Bring it. I mean, we're, we're all ready. It's, it's, again, that NSX now becoming Corvette problem. Bring, Those bring the new models. Ten years. Oh, man. Yeah. All right, Ross Ballot, how do you overcome seller's remorse? You're going to have to go buy another one. <laughs> that is the short answer. <laughs> Oops. Yeah. Uh, two more here. Paul Cavanaugh asking me, what is the right time of year for the annual car wash? Grr. <laughs> annual? <laughs> what? Yeah, you're more like the weekly car wash. Yeah, the annual um, car wash. That is funny. That's really spring funny. Springtime, I guess. Yeah. You know what? Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll soften the blow. How about the annual detailing? That should be springtime. Okay. All right. Fine. But the the you, uh, maintenance car washes the rest of the year, the annual detailing. Open your windows to your house and, you know, let the spring breeze blow everything around and clean out the dust. <laughs> That's the time to wash your car for this yeah. annual. Ha. And then finally, Justin Frillick, will EVs kill endurance racing? No, they're going to proliferate it. And I challenge you to go find Formula E because the goal of Formula E is to end with 1% charge when you cross the finish line. You have to manage your battery power. Mm -hmm. So endurance racing is even more exciting and cool and interesting with Formula E. And I think endurance racing to to manage, they have to swap batteries at some point. I mean, they, they can't obviously charge them. They have to pull in some of the pit stops, include a battery swap. But you don't want to cross the finish line with power in reserve. That's bad. I, I, we're turning, it's going to proliferate and move endurance racing okay, we'll to see. a new level. Okay. That's my I, opinion. I, all right. I'll That's, let you stay there. I speak for me. <laughs> You're not convinced. I'm not, I'm not joining you, but okay. How, you've got 10, 15% left in your charge and you cross the finish line when you could have used it up to pass competitors? Shame, driver. Shame. Yeah, but how are you going to do the 24-hour race with an EV? That's what's so cool. That's the challenge. That's, I guess. That's what's coming I guess. in the future. Ferrari just got electrocuted in the pit. <laughs> we don't no know good. what happened. No anyway. good. Yeah. What happens with yeah rain? Anyway, I don't know. <laughs> okay, we've got to wrap it up there. Thank you, Million, for all your questions. We really appreciate it. We're absolutely looking forward to next time. Cheers, everyone.